Welcome to DBPA, the Drunk Bitches Podcast. I'm Jamie. And I'm Sarah. Each episode, we pair a wine with a topic where you get more lip with each sip. So let's get started. But first, pass the wine, bitch. Hey, DB peeps. How's it going? It's going well. Great. Thanks for asking. Yes. <laughs> we have a cool episode called Every Hero Needs a Sidekick. And we are going to be drinking Sidekick Cabernet Sauvignon. It's a 2017. Sarah's going to pop it open. Yeah, it's got a picture of a superhero in the background. And then I think the sidekick in the front. And they look like two very powerful, strong women. So I'm happy about that. And it looks like the um, like the pop art type of deal. Yeah. And we've had a wine from this company before. So Iconic Wines is who makes it out in California. And... Um, our DBP listeners might actually recall that for episode 22, we drank their secret identity rosé, which was delicious, if I it do remember correctly. Delicious. So, yeah. So that was really cool. So we're excited to drink another one of their wines. But, yeah, this is a Cab Sauvignon. May I have your glass, Jamie? Oh, sure. Please. I was just going to stare at you. So I can pour some of the... this Cabernet. Yes, so this is a 13.5% ABV. It's a little bit low for a cab. I thought the same thing. And it's listed about 18 bucks. <laughs> Keep going. No, I'm kidding. No, don't. Sorry, it's a big pour. This is like last night, too. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, it was a really big pour that I got um, last night. Anyway, this is listed for 18 bucks online, but Sarah. I got it cheaper. It's how I do. It's how we roll. That's how Sarah um, rolls. Yeah, it was in actually like a savings bin in our local uh, wine tasting shop, Ruby Tap. Yeah. I think it was like 14 or $15 maybe. I mean, that's close to saving mm-hmm. a third of another bottle of wine. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I like so it. So cheers to that. Cheers. It smells really good. It, yeah. It's actually lighter than a cab. Do you think so? Yeah. I do. If you look directly down at it, I think that when you look at it from far, no. But like, if you look into the glass, look into seems, my eyes. Yeah, I'm still in Halloween look mode. Into my eyes. It's still a dark wine, yes, but it, it doesn't look quite as opaque. There's some oak on this. No, <laughs> <laughs> that's weird. This is weird. It's is a little weird. weird. Is it weird? <laughs> We're just going to give it, let's give it a minute. Okay. I feel like that's my, t- that's my tagline every time. Let's give it a minute. Um, let's talk a little bit how this one is made. Um, Cabernet Sauvignon, we don't need to talk about it. You guys know, are familiar with that. But this particular wine comes from California, like I said. And what they've done is fermented the grapes in several stainless steel vertical fermenters. So, to me, I'm imagining it to be a real fucking large. It's just stainless steel, like these circular... What's yeah, it I've seen them before at wineries. Yeah. They're pretty cool. Interestingly, I just saw wines fermenting in cubes when I was in Oregon. Interesting. Yeah. I'd never seen that before. So, they're fermented in stainless steel vertical fermenters. So, that means that there's not going to be that oak that is present there. But wait... Sarah looks at me with, uh, what? Are you sure? Yeah, it tastes oaky, man. 
It'll it'll come. It'll come. Okay. Just wait for it. Thank you. The grapes themselves, they macerate with the juices about 14 to 20 days, so two to four, three weeks, with a once-a-day pump over. So pumping over is when you take – you have those stainless steel vats, and basically you have a, a hose from the bottom of it that you can pump the wine, the juices from the bottom, and you take that tube and just put it over the top, hmm. and you essentially, you know, rotate, sort of, you know, move around the juices, get the juices, like, touching the grape so that it's a little bit more even throughout. Um, but it also is a very gentle way to go about doing this because the other option or another option is to do a push down in which you have, like, essentially a metal plate that you just, like, press down or push down and punch down the the grape skins and what that means is like you keep the grapes moist so that it doesn't get crusty and hard and that sounds really nasty nasty and gross and that's exactly why you don't want to do that so then they also use this thing called a roto fermenter oh which is like that a sounds fancy i know it doesn't seem that fancy though it okay. just, just basically is mechanically doing exactly what the pump over does so it's really not that that big of a deal. But, Sarah. But wait. But wait. It says only a third of the wine is introduced to new French oak. Only a third? Mm. Does that taste like only a third? I'd like to differ. <laughs> it says it's aged for a minimum of six months, but this seems, it does seem pretty heavy. I mean heavy on the oak. You know, I'm looking at some tasting notes from others, oh, other yeah? sites and stuff, because I'm interested with other, what other people think about this. And? Cigar box, currant, yeah. blackberry, cherry, mm. oak, vanilla, oak. spice. So I'm definitely getting those flavors. It is. It's super oak. It's. I'm getting like a lot of Like superhero, but super oak. Yeah. There is a site here that says, bring it to your rowdy uncle's annual backyard burger grill off. <laughs> specific. Specific. For chorizo pork burgers. That is also specific. That is very okay, specific. Okay, so it does say chorizo, and isn't that spicy food? What's that? Yeah. Chorizo mm-hmm. spicy. So I was just going to say, too, I feel like they've oaked out all of the tannins. I don't get a lot of tannin here on this wine. No. Cabernet is like known to have tannins, which is why Cabernet is typically associated with eating these really heavy, meaty, fatty meats like ribeye and steaks and things like that and creamy cheeses and creamy dishes because the tannins like help cut away all of that. But you're supposed to avoid spice with tannins. Tannins will emphasize or amplify spices. And so this, I can see how this one would be better for you, that chorizo pairing. I can see. Or, <laughs> I see what you're saying. All right, for sure. You wanna talk about iconic wines, or should sure. we get into our topic? Uh, I'll talk a little bit about kind of iconic wines. They are committed to making the kind of wine that they like to drink. So they are looking for balance, focus, complexity, and having a strong connection for the place they come from. So this is a combination ownership between Burke O'Halloran. And Carl Antle <laughs> met, who met in college and became friends, bonding over love for whiskey, witty banter, and all things nerdy. I don't know where wine comes I in I was there, just going to ask, so where the heck does the wine yeah, fit in? Yeah, I'm not sure. So they grew up 
and I think we talked about this before, with an imagination, um, they loved, like, all the comic Cape Crusaders, Mm -hmm. and they kind of felt that way when they fell in love with wine. So they decided to put their heroes of their youth on their bottles of their dream job. You could arguably say the Grape Crusaders. Ah, (laughs) Love it. Love it. Sorry. We don't have capes for our little glasses of wine. I have tutus, but no capes. I like a sword. You had a sword. I did. So I was a... You were a sidekick. I was... Well, is Gamora a sidekick or is she... We'll get to it. Actually, we'll get to it. Okay. We can debate about this. Okay. I was Gamora from Guardians of the Galaxy for Halloween. Check the Instagram page. You'll see a picture. Great movie. Yeah. Great movie. Sadly, I missed seeing Sarah in person, but... I was very green. You were very green. It was really hard to get the green off. I I almost (laughs) asked you if it was like, if you... I mean, you could have just switched into a dress and been the Wicked Witch of the West, too. This is true. Yeah. Some kids thought I was the Wicked Witch. I'm like, Gamora. You're like, I'm a badass bitch. All right, bitches. It's Gamora. Little kids. And then the parents were like, um, scary lady. <laughs> Stop talking to a child like that. No. No, we had someone else scaring the kids at our trick-or-treat session. Yeah. But yeah, no, some people thought I was witches. The, I was a witch. The Wicked, Wicked witch. witch of the West. Mm-hmm. All right. So these guys, they've been making wine for a while. And they do have a handful of, of what, like maybe eight wines or something that they may have available. Sidekick can actually come. They have Merlot and Chardonnay, too, as well as the, the Cabernet. But they had that secret identity, which is really good. And I think there is a wine called Heroin, no? There is a wine called Heroin. Yeah. yeah. And there's also, which is a Chardonnay. Um, and then they also have a wine called Shapeshifter, which is a Pinot Gris. They have another Chardonnay, which is Michael Mara, which is the best. They feel like that that's what they have on their website right now for 2016. That's their higher end Chard. Oh, really? Yeah, that one's $50. <laughs> so, wow. And then they have one coming soon called Testa. Which is a Zin and Carignan. So that would be very interesting. Yeah. That's very different than what they, they've done before. Right. Kind of exciting. They're really cool. They're, I mean, they're cool. They're fun labels. Again, we go for the label, don't we? Ah, uh, yes. Yes. On their website, they have a picture of a superhero toy, maybe, with some grapes in the background. And it says, every heroine has an or- origin. I thought you were going to say an orgy, and I was like, whoa. You're like, wait a minute now. <laughs> Hang on a second. Where are we going? <laughs> we're overstepping here. Overstepping. Not so. the focus of the conversation. <laughs> <sighs> um, so what is a sidekick? Okay. Okay. So a sidekick, the definition is a person's assistant or close associate, especially one who has less authority than that person. Oh, that's that's like kind of demeaning. It, a little bit, but think about it, though. It's like your sidekick. I mean, otherwise you would call them like your partner, like your peer, right? If they were right on the same exact level. So I True. can understand that. Mm-hmm. But the funnier part is where the term sidekick, which is actually like slang, like where that came from. You ready? Okay. Okay. Sidekick originated in pickpocket slang. Can't say I've heard of pickpocket slang, but that's okay. Of the late 19th and early 20th century. And the kick was the front side pocket, front side pocket of a pair of trousers. And it was known as the pocket safest from theft. Oh. So. No one ever, do you ever use that pocket? Like this little bitty one? Yeah. What can you put in there? Well, for women, generally nothing. 
Uh-huh. But for guys, like, Sean always puts, like, his, like, guitar picks and, you know. Okay. So. It's a very hard pocket to check before laundry. <laughs> I have failed. I have failed at laundry recently. <laughs> Lots of things just <laughs> floating around there. <laughs> That's yeah. okay. But so because of this, the sidekick, so the side pocket, was the person's closest companion because it's ah, the safest thing, right? Okay. Yeah. So um, a humorous folk etymology refers to the sidekick's accomplishments being kicked to the side or otherwise ignored in favor of the more charismatic lead hero. Damn. That is demeaning. Damn. I wow, you just really pushed that person into a corner. Yeah. That's really unfortunate. Sidekick and hero, obviously, they have, you know, positive connotations, whereas the villain and henchman have those negative connotations. So you're typically not going to hear sidekick when it comes to the bad guys. No, actually, that's the opposite of a sidekick is a henchman. Villains typically have multiple henchmen, and heroes tend to only have one sidekick. Well, here's the the difference. So henchmen reflects that these villains are basically just telling them what to do. They don't have a bond of friendship or loyalty. Mm. which is the normal They're relationship just between the hero and the sidekick. So this also is different in the, like the protagonist and the antagonist because the sidekick is usually an important character because he's close to the protagonist and he will be developed while the role of the henchman is like against the hero and his sidekick. And sometimes they're anonymous or disposable characters. So you don't really even know who they are. They that's don't have true. any character development. That Oh, that's very true. So... I didn't it's, think of it from that perspective, but it's that's a totally accurate statement mm-hmm. because typically the henchmen are portrayed like they just get killed off and it's like it doesn't matter because there's just like 10 more where that You don't came even from. know their names usually. No. no. Yeah. They're like the opposite cuz yeah. like the villain usually doesn't have a sidekick. The villain usually just has these people cuz he's he's a villain. He can't form meaningful relationships. Yeah, cuz he's a bad he's all powerful and he will he will usually just like Get rid of his whoever at his disposal. Yeah, because he, he has no care. respect. He doesn't care. That's yeah. right. Goddamn villain. You don't care. No, Screw but that's here. why they're villains. Yeah. You need the villains in order for the others. You know, it's kind of, that's the balancing. This is true. Right? So that's the henchman or a minion. Yeah. That's another name. Yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> so the part that I was sort of alluding to before when we were talking about Gamora is that typically a sidekick is going to be the same gender as the hero. Yes. So Gamora, I'd say you could maybe say that she's the sidekick of, uh, is it Star-Lord? Peter Quill? But I don't think but so because they really. were a team. The sidekick would be that, well, who's that little guy, the, the, the tree guy? Oh, Groot. Groot. But Groot, Groot is Groot is most is Groot is a sidekick of God, what the fuck? Rocket, the raccoon. Yeah, and I could see Rocket being a sidekick of the main character. Of Peter Quill. Of Peter Quill. So it's like a sidekick of a sidekick. Yeah. I think Gamora is her own person. She's even we hey, we Well she technically was coming from like the bad side too. This I know. But, but she was good in heart. Yes. And we recently watched um The Endgame. Yeah. Yeah. And she was good in that one, too. Yeah. I don't think she was a sidekick in that movie. I'm trying to remember what happened in it. I feel like I'm crisscrossing Infinity Game, Infinity oh. War and Endgame. Okay. Anyway. Anyway. Seen them both. Like them both. Love Marvel. Love Adventures. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Yeah. 
Um, anyway, sidekicks, you described a lot of what they can do. I mean, they are, it is like a balancing act, right? You need good to fight evil and you need evil so that good can prevail. And mm-hmm. of course, that's just sort of the balancing act in nature in general. Yeah. But sidekicks can do a lot of different things. And they can sort of provide sort of that counterpoint to the hero. Um, you know, in some instances, the psychic him, him or herself will be either comedic relief or be the intellectual to balance out the very overly comedic hero. Yeah. They might seem more relatable than the hero. Perhaps the hero is a little bit more standoffish. Mm-hmm. But the purpose of the sidekick is really to kind of show the development, show the the true nature and traits of that hero so that the audience, I'm, I'm going to say the audience, so that others will appreciate what the hero has to offer and why the hero is the way that they are. Um, you know, sort of giving little insights into how that hero operates. So what are some good sidekick examples? Oh my gosh. I started thinking of them and then it was like, wow, I could, I just can go all the way down these rabbit holes. It's crazy. Donald Duck to Mickey Mouse. Probably the first one I ever realized. I have something about Disney actually. What? Okay. But I'll get to it. Keep oh, going. Okay. Don't forget it. No, I'm not. Okay. Um, Chewbacca to Han Solo. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Luigi to Mario. Sorry. Yes. I mean, uh-huh. that's like, uh-huh. yeah. I have to say this because we're right around Halloween. Last year, we dressed up like this. I was Garth to my husband's Wayne from oh, Wayne's World. that was cool. I that was really that. fun. Yep. And then some other ones. I mean, there's a lot in movies and literature like Huckleberry Finn to Tom Sawyer. Uh, we get Ron Weasley to Harry Potter. You know, Ron Weasley is looked mm-hmm. at as sort of like this sort of bumbling kind of, I don't want to say fool, but he's just a more accident prone and, you know, not quite as intelligent. Yeah. Um, but he shares the, the courage, I think, maybe not as evident as Harry Potter. But, you know, the, he couldn't, Harry Potter couldn't make it without him. No. And he, they certainly, yeah. let's be honest, they certainly couldn't make it without Hermione Granger. Well, of course. Of course. Um, and then there's also Watson to Holmes and Robin to Batman. I mean, Robin to Batman is probably one of the most iconic ones out mm-hmm. there. Okay. So speaking of Disney, I have a few things about Disney. So there's a lot of good Disney examples. Uh-huh. So like my favorites like Abu with Aladdin. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also Olaf and Frozen is maybe one of my favorite sidekicks. Oh, he of is all amazing. He? But who is he technically the sidekick of? All of them? Everybody. Yeah. Um, there's the donkey and Shrek. Wow, Disney really does love doing like an animal, don't they? Yeah. There's the white rabbit in Alice in Wonderland. Even in Fantasia, there's the broom. Oh, from the Sorcerer's Apprentice. Yep. There's Zazu in oh. The Lion King. Oh, so good. Uh-huh. There's Thumper and Bambi. Oh, and in Frozen, there's also Sven. I think that Olaf is more the sidekick because, again, Olaf serves that purpose to kind of mm-hmm. really show like, oh, but... Elsa's not that terrible all of the time. Like, you just need to yeah, get to know her or, you know, you need to look a little bit deeper. I see what's on your screen. Tinkerbell? Yeah. Tinkerbell with Peter Pan. Tink. She's awesome. She was Yeah, she was on my list, uh, too. Piglet and Winnie the Pooh. Mm-hmm. There's Miko and Flit in Pocahontas. I kind of forgot about them. I've never seen that movie. You've never seen Pocahontas? I have not. How dare you? Not one of my favorites, but how dare you? I know. I'm sorry. Oh, my goodness. 
We need a, we need to add that to the movie list. There's Sebastian and the Little Mermaid. Live Little Mermaid coming out mm-hmm. soon. Gus and Jack and Cinderella. You oh, Gus, Gus, yeah. Gus, Gus. Gus, Love Gus. him. Little fat little guy. Flounder is another one in The Little Mermaid. Uh, Lumiere and Cogsworth. Yeah, oh, my God. Beating the yes. Beast. Okay. Yes. So Disney is, like, really good at sidekicks. Right? Obviously. Okay. What if I told you? What if I told you? Oh, my God. Where is this going? That Mickey Mouse was actually created by Disney's, Walt Disney's sidekick. Oh my god, wait, 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 wait. Oh fuck, I know his name. It's a weird starts name. Starts with the I. It's the last name, starts with an I, yes. He had a mustache. I know. <laughs> it's so stupid. I watched a documentary about Walt Disney. What's his name? I don't know if I'm saying this right. Ub Iwerks? Yeah. 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 That's exactly right. Yep. So he actually created Mickey Mouse. Walt wait. Disney did not create Mickey Mouse. But you know the story behind it though. Well, like the story that I learned about, uh-huh. like, Mickey Mouse is actually Mortimer Mouse originally. And Mortimer Mouse was this mouse that I thought it was Walt Disney had trained to, like, and I'm not kidding you. I did this with my journals okay. when I was growing up. But he basically sat on the drawing desk and he would tap on his nose, and like, to train him. So, like, he would, like, okay. stay and hang out, like, on the desk. But anyway, that's pretty fucking crazy. So what I've... Oh, I worked at a lot of shit. What's that? He is he is um, responsible for a lot of things. I mean, yeah. they the both of them, but I think Ub actually um, superseded Walt Disney's accomplishments in terms of cartoon drawing and you know creating new things. Yes, yeah. so he animated Mickey's first cartoon all by himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he ended up animating the first five cartoons plus the first five silly symphonies. So I guess he was really shy, though, and he didn't have a good sense of humor. So he really couldn't have be the face. Uh-huh. Of, yep. Mm-hmm. See, and that's the thing is, like, it, you need the sidekick is there for whatever purpose is needed, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Steve Jobs. Uh, Steve Wozniak. Oh. Interesting. I'm just thinking, I mean, Apple wouldn't be Apple without both of them. But, uh, but I kind of feel bad for this up guy. I know. Um, God, now I'm trying to remember what ended up happening in the, what they sa- started saying about him. Because he continued to work. He, like, left Disney and then he came back 11 years later and he did, like, a bunch of technical stuff, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. And his daughter was interviewed for that documentary. Oh, was she? What did yeah. she say? Uh, well, I think it was one of those things where, you know, an acknowledgement, she essentially brought up the fact that, like, Walt Disney wouldn't have made it where he is without her father. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that you can't, you can't deny that. I mean, absolutely not. But, of course, because you don't have that name, you have one name, and then you have Disney World. Like, there's... yeah. Everybody in the world, I, I would. I wonder if they get, like, some sort of royalty or something. Who, Ub? Uh-huh. And, and his family? family? Maybe. I, if I recall correctly, I think it's, like, in Cinderella's castle. There's, like, a special room or something that has, like, different artifacts from when they were, might have worked together. I feel like there's, like, different homages. And the thing about Disney is that I love Disney and Pixar and all that because they're all sort of integrated, even with Apple. 
that they have these little Easter eggs. And so it's like they kind of give credit where credit is due. If somebody was pivotal in a particular role, like there'll be like a little like, oh, here's like, you know, their their trademark, either, you know, lucky number or yeah. signature or favorite animal or something like that that's like tucked in there. So also I'm going to say um, Silverado Vineyards in California is actually was started by Walt Disney's daughter. It's really good wine. They just have a really gonna, good Chardonnay. Just going to throw that. Just going to throw that out there. Slip Do it with in. it what you will. Slip it in. Yeah. No, that's cool. Yeah, so Disney and the sidekicks, like, huge on that. And it actually, a sidekick originated Disney. Who, who would have known? Yeah. Kind of crazy, huh? Yeah. Bringing it back full circle. Totally. So what about um, some TV sidekicks? Um, some of my favorites are, like, I love Ethel and Lucy. Okay. I mean, yeah, they get sure. in so many antics together, yeah. right? And they're not, I would say, I mean, obviously, it's the I Love Lucy show. So it's Lucy is our heroine. But we have Ethel who, you know, kind of helps her be a little less kooky and crazy. But she also goes along with the ride, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there is Ed McMahon to Johnny Carson yeah. from the, the original Tonight Show, yeah. right? And Ed McMahon is known as one of the most famous sidekicks of television, like of all time. And, you know, I I wonder, I bet that that duo is what essentially has launched. I mean, consider every late night TV show nowadays. Yeah. Everybody has their sidekick. Yeah. Everybody. Uh, Jay Leno had that guy on the drums. Oh, Paul. Uh, oh, God. What's his last name? Paul Shore. Yeah, I think that I don't remember his name. Oh, uh, it's something like that. His name is Paul. I know that with the glasses and he his band. Yeah. Yeah. Again, you sort of play off of each other, mm-hmm. right? And you mm-hmm. you have that other person around to kind of show off your strengths. Do you have favorite television ones? You know, I'm trying to think. I don't know if I do have favorite. You know, like Laverne and Shirley is not really a sidekick. No, they're like they're I was the thinking the same stars. thing. Yeah. yeah. So that doesn't really work out. I'm trying to think of television shows where there is, you know, a sidekick that I can really, like, Rocky really stands out. What's that? Rocky? Rocky and Bullwinkle. Yeah, I didn't really watch that that much. Uh, Yogi Bear and Hey Boo Boo. <laughs> uh, <laughs> for sure. For that's, sure. That's one. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I have any favorite ones. I think the Lucy and Ethel one is a great example. And I used to love the I Love Lucy show. Oh my gosh, when she stomped grapes, that was like one of my favorite the best. things. Or or the chocolate. That I, was. I mean, that was just. a I great do like show. your the screech to Zach Morris. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's Saved a great by one. the Bell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's pretty good. Like, it, yeah. But then there's also like Carlton to uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Is this true? What was the Fresh Prince? What was Will Smith's name in Fresh Prince of Bel Air? Will. Oh. It was- <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, I spent a lot of time watching that show. I watched that no. show a lot. I didn't watch it a ton. Yeah. But, like, I watched it. We watched, um, what was the one with the cop? Oh, Steve, and Steve Urkel. All in the Family? No. Family Matters. Oh, Family Matters. Yes, that's, that's right. That was that was a good show. That was a good show. I forgot about that. Did I do that? Um, there is a real-life sidekick thing that I think is super fitting, especially because we have a female on the bottle here. Okay. It is Marie Curie. 
mm-hmm. Madame Curie, which I, I think that everyone has learned about in school, like at least Does way back know when. Who she is? Should you, you remind everybody? I will. Yeah. She's, and I actually didn't know this. I knew that she was a French uh, chemist, physicist, scientist, what yep. have you, all of the above. I did not know she was originally from Poland. Or maybe I learned it and Isn't I forgot she French? it. French? Yeah. So okay. her name, like her name, Marie, that's her French name. Yeah. Like her French pronunciation. Yeah. So a lot of people probably remember this or maybe this will spark something. She is known for discovering polonium, which I don't know what polonium does, but I certainly know what radium does. And radium is one of the other elements that she discovered. And she did the initial work on radioactivity. So now we could go down a whole rabbit hole here with radium and all this stuff. And I just listened to a podcast about the radium girls. Okay. What oh my God, about? it's crazy. Basically, don't eat radium. <laughs> well, I would think so. Uh, because you start to radiate from the inside out and you glow. You have like a glow in the dark property. And then you die. So do you know why polonium is called polonium? No, what is polonium though? So it's, well, first it's called, it's named after her homeland of Poland. Oh. That's pretty cool. Um, It has strong radioactivity and it was the first element to be discovered. What? Polonium is the first element? I think of the radioactive ones. Oh, 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 I see. Thank you. Um, I was like, hydrogen? Oxygen? Yeah. It's used in space probes, poison, anti-static devices, and also as a source of neutrons and alpha particles. And it's extremely dangerous to humans, which I knew that. I mean, I knew it was like most elements in their simplest form (laughs) are dangerous to humans. True, but I think this one could probably like light you on fire or something. Oh yeah, I'll pass. Hard pass. Yeah. Hard pass. Hard. Um, oh, and it was one of the, um, it was what was used to source alpha particles that were produced in the former Soviet Union for alpha radiation. Oh, I was like, um, I don't understand uh, what alpha particles are. Scott, I'm going back to eighth grade chemistry. Gross. Eighth grade? Gross. Yeah. A few acute effects. Of polonium? Yeah. We're going down a rabbit hole here, guys. Uh-oh. There's a lethal dose, obviously. It's a very small amount. It's like less than a grain of table salt. Like, oh, the lethal dose? Yeah. It also has long-term risk of death from cancer of 5 to 10% per SV, which is its measurement. So, Yikes, bikes. I guess we're all exposed to small amounts of polonium as a radon. So radon in indoor air. Oh. Yes. That's why you need the that's radon mitigation the, systems. Yep, that's the ice. So that's why there's estimated 15 to 22,000 lung cancer deaths in the U.S. that have been attributed attributed to indoor radon, and that's one of the isotopes or the majority of the radon. Wow. Oh my god, my brain hurts. Oh my god. Okay, that was I'm a gonna, rabbit hole. That is a rabbit hole. Sidekicks. That was some all right. So lessons. sorry, Marie Curie. Yeah, yeah, she's a fucking phenomenal woman. Okay, she's done a lot of great things. However. How did she discover that? Her husband, Pierre Curie, mm-hmm. was also a scientist and a professor. But you never hear about him. But though. you never hear about him. But he was very mm. well known. And he fully supported her work. In fact, helping her, basically her her assistant, her associate, mm-hmm. to help further her career along. 
And so she won two Nobel Prizes, one in physics, one in chemistry. I think she was the first woman to do that. She might actually be the only woman to have done that. I might be wrong, so don't quote me. Okay. Um, But she also became the first female professor at the University of Paris. Like, she has done so much shit. And honestly, if it weren't for – this is sad to say, but if it weren't for her husband's support and basically his willingness to be like – you're going to do great things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to take a step back because I think you're going to be better than me. Then she probably wouldn't have gotten to where she is. It's I think true. that's really fucking cool. And probably one of the most real um, sidekick, like a good thing, good sidekick story. Well, they always say like behind every powerful man is a powerful woman. You know, <laughs> I was just going to say behind every. Yep. Mm-hmm. This is kind of the opposite here. Yeah, although I, as I said that, I mean, by far science is way better for the world. But there's Scottie Pippen to Michael Jordan. (laughs) Okay, I have one. Uh, Robin Quivers to Howard Stern. Oh, yeah. I was like, who's Robin Quivers? But Robin, yes. And you remembered. The woman, right? Yeah. Yeah. She wrote a book. She did. Yeah. It's called Quivers. It's a memoir. That sounds really I guess she was a nurse and a member of the Air Force. What? So crazy. And then she got Howard Stern. And then she just got to sit and probably saw a bunch of crazy shit. Now I'm trying to think of, I don't know why my brain just went to sports, but like, I think Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan are the best example of a sidekick sports duo. Yeah, but I feel like Scottie Pippen has his own This is true. But they just worked together so cohesively. They, they played upon literally and figuratively each other's strengths and that is what the sole purpose of a sidekick is this is true were you ever into like comics or anything like that or you know a little bit but not really i didn't really follow comics that much i mean i knew a little bit it was more so like mario and luigi were yeah but super mario brothers nintendo i mean i guess luigi's a sidekick huh yeah yeah he is yeah I love, love, love <laughs> Nintendo Super. Super Nintendo Super Mario. There's a lot of supers in there. A lot of supers. Yeah. You're right. You're right. What do you think of this wine? Um, This wine is... <laughs> this wine is... This wine is... This wine is ruby in color. As, I, as we said before, it's not really as opaque as like other cabs. It so tastes- it seems a little lighter. It tastes like there's more alcohol than 13.5. Do you think so? Yeah. Well, you know the rule. It could technically be within... Actually, I was reading a new article about this technically within a percentage point. Yeah. So it's not 1.5. And actually, if you are listed under 14, you cannot go over 14. Okay. So, so max, we know this would be okay. 14. Um, yeah, there's something with the taxes on that, I think. There are other reasons why you can't go over 14. Okay. It is tax-related to some extent, but I think there's something else too. Okay. I'm not picking up like a ton of extra like heat or uh, from the alcohol. I am just very surprised. Like when I see Cabernet, I have this idea in my mind. Is it bright and juicy and like big and bold at the same time? Is that the idea you have in your mind? Basically. It's a, f- we'll call it 18. I know you said you paid less, but we'll call it an $18 bottle of wine. Mm-hmm. Tastes like an $18 Cabernet. By comparison to other things. Okay. It doesn't, like, to me, like, it it has, you have some of that oakiness. You have perhaps a lot of oakiness, especially 
when you just open the bottle and it's just sitting in your glass and you drink it right away. Like, maybe we should have used the aerator. Maybe. You're right. We should have. Um, we toyed around with whether or not we should and we were like, yeah, let's just do it. I was like, 2017 cab. I it's think fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Um, no, definitely, definitely want to aerate this one. I want there to be more tannins. I want it to be, it is probably a medium to full bodied, but like if you compared other Cabernets, like the other Cabernets would just be so much I need richer. more fruit. I need yeah, more depth. I need more depth. I need yeah. more depth and more fruit. This is like a cab for non-cab drinkers. Yes. It's like the transitional cab. There you go. Is it the sidekick to no. a real cab? No, I think this, no. <laughs> I think the sidekick to real cab would be something along the lines of like a Merlot. Merlot. <laughs> yeah, which they do have a Merlot sidekick. So I guess you they could do. Pick that up. We're going to have to try that. Yeah. Yeah. So you were describing some of the other feedback and notes yeah. that people were getting. It said cherry. I'm not sure I really pull up on a lot of cherry. Yeah. Personally. I don't. This set is focuses on rich body while still maintaining bright red fruit flavors and balance. Okay. That's someone's opinion. There's like the tiniest hint of vanilla on the back end. There's bit. vanilla. I the cigar box, I can kinda I, get that for and sure. Almost maybe more so in the smell. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But agreed. you do get a little of the extra tobacco like on the sides of your cheeks. Yep. When you drink mm-hmm, it, yeah. Mm-hmm. If you give it a big swish. Yeah, there's not much on there. I don't think it's like rated or anything. I think that if you are a person who is not a huge cab fan and you like kind of oaky reds, that maybe you should try this. I'm going to equate this to like an over-oaked California Chardonnay. This is like an over-oaked California cab. (laughs) California cab has such... You laugh, but California Cab has such like a an idea, a concept behind it, and expectations. I'm not quite sure this meets that. Now their website says that they don't over extract the grapes because that would True. result in pushing the wine into a jam or green vegetable character. I can appreciate the desire to so like green characteristics. I mean, Cabernet Franc is one of the parents of Cabernet Sauvignon. So, and we know Cabernet Franc tends to give more like the green bell pepper flavors so you can get that in a cabernet sauvignon but typically that will come when it's an underripe cabernet sauvignon i don't know how much they make at iconic like how much wine they make at iconic wines but maybe they harvest some things a little too early so they are careful to not pull a little too much from the skins because that'll take on more of the vegetal yeah characteristics but these are all assumptions. <laughs> they say they have, their flavors are red fruit, peach, and floral aromatics. Did you just say peach? Yeah. I have never, <laughs> ever peach heard on of a peach cab. on a red wine. Maybe a rosé. Yeah. But not a full-blown yeah, red wine. interesting. Hmm. Power of persuasion, though, man. Mm-hmm. I tell you. So, Okay. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it it could have a little extra depth and a little extra fruit that is more fruit forward. It definitely, it lacks the tannins, like the meatiness of the tannins that I really... That you look for in a cap. I think that if this was labeled something else... You'd feel better about it? Yeah. Yeah. But it is cap, so... Exactly. (laughs) 
No. They, hey, you know, if you want to get into the science stuff, they do have like the pH and stuff. On the oh, they have here. residual sugar on there too. Yeah, two grams per liter and the pH is 3.66. What, do you know other pH levels of things like no. water or yogurt? Do I know the pH of yogurt? I, no. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I know that was so random. <laughs> okay. I do not know the pH of yogurt. I asked that because I'm looking at this. pH levels of, okay, in water. Let's just see for a minute. Seven. Yeah. Okay, seven. Of course it's seven. It has to be seven. Anything that's lower than seven is acidic. Yeah. Anything that's greater than seven is Is considered alkalotic. Basic. Basic alkalotic. Whatever. (laughs) Basic, bitch. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. What was it? 3.66? Six. Yeah, I'm pretty sure all wine though is acidic. Oh, I'm yes, no, I'm sure. I was just um, curious. So the range Aye. of pH for wine is two point five to four point five. Oh, so this is like right, right in, in the middle. middle. Mm-hmm. It's a very safe wine, I'll say. Okay, how's that? Not particularly polarizing, much yeah. like a sidekick should be. That is true. <laughs> I'm bringing it full circle. Bringing it full circle. All right, all right, guys. Hopefully well, you you have sidekicks in your own minds, especially or, after Halloween. I mean, it's like this is I the know. perfect time to like see, have like a good good sense of sidekicks. So yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, to the sidekicks and their superheroes. Indeed, cheers, cheers. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform to help spread the DBP word. Check out our website and blog at dbpcheers.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at dbpcheers or on the Drunk Bitches Podcast Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you, so send your questions, comments, and fun wine or topic ideas to dbpcheers at gmail.com. Until next time. Cheers Cheers from from the the girls of DBP. DBP.